Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa, where I, your host and astrologer, Issa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. You'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa wherever you get your podcasts. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Beyond the surface layer of reality. In this episode, Eckhart talks about our true purpose, which he believes is to transcend our surface layer of reality and our superficial sense of self. He says most of us define ourselves as a person with a past, an accumulation of thoughts and emotions built up over a lifetime. Many identify completely with this limited view, but Eckhart explains we are more than that. He says often a life crisis becomes the catalyst for discovery. We may lose our homes, jobs, or someone we love, but Eckhart says loss pushes us toward awakening. He believes in this process, the ego burns up and the old ways of being give way to our essential self. Thank you. Welcome, everybody. Here we are in the present moment, not trying to get anywhere, not even doing anything but becoming aware of being, being aware of being. Presence is being becoming self-aware, so to speak. So there's already a contradiction. Becoming implies time, but being is timeless. Contradiction is always there because this in this dimension time operates being is prior to time and space uh, so one could say that from our point of view here sometimes i describe it as this we are on the surface of being it's a metaphor well we exist here on the surface of being most people are unaware of what is beyond the surface of their life. The entire life consists of surface, which is past and future and doing what's the next thing to do here. And whatever is perceived by the senses, also sensory perception is surface, the surface of reality you could say it's not reality it's the outer layer of reality <laughs> it's a way of looking at it but uh, who you are is not confined to the outer layer of reality 
for many people it is because they don't know anything else. So they have a very limited sense of self, which in some spiritual traditions is described as illusory, not actually real. Well, it seems very real here on the surface. Our task, our mission, our purpose in life, the human purpose here is to go beyond the surface layer of reality and go beyond who we are on the surface, the person with a little bit of past and a little bit of future, the person that consists of accumulated thoughts and emotions, complete identification with this. So one could say that on the surface of reality here, consciousness is dreaming that this dream of surface reality, but the purpose of the universe is for this universe, this dimension to awaken to something deeper. This is one way of putting it. It's very hard to talk about these things because the words derive from the surface of real, so-called reality. Every word reflects things on the surface. So when you point to something that is beyond surface, it becomes difficult using words. Words become very, very limited, but we have to use words. And so we use words from the surface reality to point to something that's beyond. So the, the word itself is never it. The word is a, a slight approximation, one could say. Sometimes it's almost like a, a metaphor, a poetic metaphor or whatever. Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Isa, where I, your host and astrologer, Isa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. You'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Isa wherever you get your podcasts. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now, the, the cleverest uh, way of using words from our dimension is probably the Buddha. And he talked about the, the essence of all things, described it as traditionally translated Sanskrit term, shunyata, emptiness. <laughs> emptiness is a term from, of course, it describes certain something. You can have a, a cup and there's nothing in it, it's empty. So emptiness seems to be something in this, it's a word, so it points to something in this dimension, but it points to something that isn't actually there. <laughs> The cup is empty, there's a nothingness in that cup. 
So to describe the, the deeper reality, uses the word emptiness. That's the one word I prefer to say spaciousness, but that's I would translate it as spaciousness, emptiness. That's the one word from this dimension that actually isn't something. <laughs> you can't say, oh, there's the emptiness. That's the one. And so he clever, very wisely used that word. Jesus, as you know, used a similar term. He said, it's the kingdom of heaven is like the sky. Kingdom of heaven is the dimension of depth. And it said, the, the kingdom of the sky, the kingdom of heaven. And again, what is the sky? It doesn't even exist because it's not something. It's spaciousness. So he uses a term from the sense-perceived world, surface world, that which is the most appropriate term that points to something that doesn't actually exist <laughs> because the sky doesn't exist as such. Space, does space exist? Not really. It's, it, it, it makes all existence possible. But if it exists and you can say, oh, here it is. It must. It doesn't. It's. It's not manifested, but enables. It enables everything else to manifest. But it's all very simple, unless you start thinking about it. Then it becomes complex. If you start trying to figure it out intellectually, it becomes difficult. So when I talk about these things, it's better to just listen. Let the words sink in, and then possibly something from within responds. And it's a kind of recognition that all says, ah, oh, yeah, I get it. Or maybe just get it a little bit. Or if your mind might say, I don't get it because you're trying to understand it. You can't understand it as such. You have to give up the need to understand. There's a lot to understand on this level the surface level, their understanding has a place. But really, you can't really understand being or presence in, in order to, to sense this, this being, you have to give up your uh, desire to understand. So you surrender, you relinquish the need to understand And then you, when you relinquish the need to understand, figure it out, suddenly there is a space because the, when you relinquish this need, you relinquish applying thought. And thought obscures being because thought is also formed. Thought is all part of the, it's not, it's not absolutely on the surface because just underneath the surface of reality, that's where thought exists. It's already invisible, but it's still part of it's still part of the the manifested reality. So relinquishing thought is perhaps the most important thing to learn that. And not I'm not talking about falling below thought and becoming sleepy and unconscious, or kind of drifting, like if you had taken a drug or something like that, because that can do that sometimes too, then you, you kind of become a bit floaty and you have a little smoke. 
and thinking begins to subside and you feel better for a while, free temporarily from yourself to some extent. Oh, so liberating. And you smoke a bit more. And then maybe you start laughing. Don't know why, you just laugh. But it's also funny. <laughs> and you feel a little bit free. Can be quite pleasant. But ultimately, this is not the direction in which we are going, because that is the direction of falling below thinking. Yes, it gives you a sense of temporary freedom from yourself, because that's what humans are actually longing for, this burden of self. <laughs> and this is why this huge attraction to drugs to free, give you a little bit of freedom from self, but, but then only temporary. And then you're back and sometimes it's worse than before. So that's not it. Yes, cessation of thinking, but what remains is absolute alertness. As this, sometimes Zen masters describe it as the, they use the word attention. Attention. The essence of Zen, one Zen master, there are not many Zen masters left these days. I don't know if there are any, but there were some great ones. The, the essence of Zen described by certain Zen masters as attention. There was actually one Zen master lived uh, early 20th century. When asked to explain Zen, he would simply raise his finger and sometimes he would say nothing, and other times he would just say attention. Or he would just look at you. So the disciples asked, what is, can you explain Zen? Because we've been trying to get it for years, still can't get it. We've been in monks in the monasteries, have been in the monastery for 10 years. Please, I need, we need some more explanation, please. We still don't get it. And you just, that is the state, that is attention, that is pure presence, very alert, no thought, just pure awareness. And this, I don't know if it was the same master or another one, he was asked to, can you write down something because I'm going away now for a while, just want to remember can you write, the disciple said to the master, can you write something down for me so that I remember what to meditate on? And the master got a piece of paper or whatever and wrote, and they said, there it is. And the disciple reads, attention. Says, is that it? Yeah. Well, can you add a little bit more? Okay, gives the bit, writes gives it back disciple and disciple reads, attention, attention. Well, I, I don't understand. Please say a little bit more. And this, well, third time, right. Three times, attention, attention, attention. Uh, and the disciple says, I don't want to even know what that means. What is attention? What does it mean? 
the, the, the master's attention means attention. <laughs> you cannot get there via intellectualization. Relinquishing thought is, if you're able to realize that, then the being is immediately, immediately accessible to you. And so for some people, it happens through a spiritual teaching. To other people, it happens through a succession of life experiences, many of them challenging. To other people, it happens through experiencing a lot of suffering and loss in life, so that all the things that they had identified with are taken away. And what remains is after a while, you can't identify with anything anymore, which is when disaster sometimes strikes. And what's left then when all the things are taken away, what yourself is, is left, but who or what are you when you can't identify with it anymore because you've lost, let's say you've lost your home, your spouse has gone away or, or, or died, or lost your job, your security, in, so this for, for people can be awakening into what is left when all the things that you thought you were are no longer there. And either you can commit suicide, as often happens, or you awaken, which is a positive suicide. The person dies, so to speak. And what's left is the essence of who you are. And then the essence is not in thought. Ah. And if anybody then asks you, who are you? You won't, you won't be able to give an answer, but you will know. Not conceptually, there's a deeper knowing. Non-conceptual knowing. And once you know yourself non-conceptually, you can look at another human being and know them non-conceptually too. That is true empathy. That is true love. You don't manufacture concepts in your mind about who or what this other person is. There's an immediate realization of the essence of the other and the realization that at that deeper level, the other is not other. You're meeting yourself. That's love. <laughs> so you always love yourself, not <laughs> egoically, but it's always the recognition, even nature. You have then you can look at a tree and can sense the, we've been speaking about that quite a few times. You can sense there's more to it than meets the eye, the beingness of it. And you let go of the concept of tree, letting go of concepts, letting go. You can take them up again when you need them, because sometimes you need them on the, in this dimension, but not be trapped in concepts. So you let go of concepts, and then you're not looking at a tree because you're not thinking when you're looking at a tree. It's just a pure awareness as you set the perception of it and an awareness behind it. And then you have something else that's called, uh, they're all related, 
empathy, love, a certain reverence for all life forms, the reverence for nature, which we need to regain. So nature is not just something that we use. Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Isa, where I, your host and astrologer, Isa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. You'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Isa wherever you get your podcasts. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. So the most vital thing to learn here is developing the abilities to step out of thought. Doesn't have to be long. For example, just this little bit here, between here and here, no thought, just pure presence. It's not that hard. Thinking is here and thinking is here, and then there's a space. First, it's very little, just a space of three seconds or something. And then thinking is back and gets a bit inner space. No self. Or as in Indian teachings, it is the transcendent self, the Atman. Let's see if there are any questions left. If not, we'll spend the rest of our session in stillness. Namaste, Eckhart. First of all, I wanted to say thank you for taking my question and thank you so much for all your teachings. It's truly a blessing. Here is my question. My life fluctuates between presence and unconsciousness. When I practice your teachings, watch your videos, I feel a strong presence and I try to keep that awareness even after the teaching or practice has ended as you recommend. And that works, but not for very long. Sometimes it is for days I am into that presence. Sometimes it is hours and sometimes it is immediately I am drawn back into unconsciousness. And as soon as I realize that I try to bring the presence back and that works too but again not for very long so basically my question is is it really essential for us to go through this in circles between presence and unconsciousness even if i know that it is the presence what i want and not the unconsciousness can you please help thank you thank you Probably many people have similar questions. Uh, that is a very common thing to 
as you awaken and as for most people the awakening is an awakening process which means there's a continuous going back and forth from being conscious being present to being identified completely again with thinking or emotions falling back into reactivity being determined by external conditions uh, reactive completely reactive to external conditions and people i would uh, recommend to make it a habit in your life uh, to have brief moments of presence in uh, everyday life you can associate them with conscious breaths one or two conscious breaths there are two things you can do here one is to associate being present with certain brief activities that you engage in every day there are in everybody's life there are certain things that they tend to do every day the brief activities a brief activity could be anything from making coffee or tea to uh, putting on your shoes don't choose anything that's too long that's just a short thing putting on shoes is fairly short taking a shower maybe too long because you'll be there for several minutes so that you can do that later perhaps choose short things that you do every day it could be if you have a staircase where you live or where you work and you go up and down several times every day choose that make every step conscious as you go up the staircase let's say it's five steps and then a conscious step is a step that you give your complete attention to you're not attempting to to arrive at the end every step is self contained so it's so every time you go up those steps that is your presence practice and again short short and you can vary after having used certain things for a week or or two weeks then choose some other things that are also short what does it mean that introducing little tiny spaces into your everyday when otherwise you would be dragged along with one thing after another that you need to deal with and the sense of inner space or spaciousness would be completely lost and that is being unconscious then you become reactive then you get completely absorbed in sometimes worrying or anxiety whatever it may be choose little very little short activities there's so many things let's see if you have curtains at home when you wake up maybe you open the curtains now choose that you open the curtains consciously and then make it a practice to look out of the window for whatever 15 seconds consciously consciously means let go of thought just be there as the awareness choose those things or make a list and if you work a lot with a computer have a plant maybe a potted plant next to your computer and make it habit to from time to time give it attention just 20 seconds whatever don't count the seconds just <laughs> give it attention completely then you your day 
day becomes interspersed with little spaces of awareness. That's uh, very helpful. And uh, well, another thing you can do is uh, a similar practice. You can vary. Uh, before you do something, you can stop for a moment to be aware. And again, choose things that you do regularly or before a desire arises, for example, a desire to go to the fridge and get a drink. As the desire arises to go to the fridge, stop for a moment and just be present. You can be present with that desire, but be, you're there as presence. That's one thing, a desire arising. This is especially good for people who have a problem with addiction, one kind or another, uh, because then an overpowering desire comes, tends to come when you're addicted, that makes you unconscious. So when, let's say, you're, some people are addicted to food, they may be addicted to drink, they may be addicted to whatever substance. Of course, obviously, the greatest addiction is thinking. <laughs> Everybody's completely addicted to, to overthinking. Excessive thinking is the greatest addiction. And this is, of course, the, the very essence of it. So as a desire comes, just before you give in, give it a little space. And it could be that even after giving it this little space, you, you may not even have to do it anymore. It, it could subside in that space, not necessarily, but it could. But even if it doesn't, it's a wonderful practice. So while you're doing something, short activities, let's say brushing your teeth is almost Depends for how long you spend brushing your teeth. It's uh, two minutes, maybe too much for, for, for many people. One minute is still okay. <laughs> if you can do two minutes, fine. So can you brush your teeth and be completely present instead of thinking about something else? The, uh, another one, again, as I said, just before you do something. So either be pre present in the doing or give a, a space before you enter into some activity that is habitual. Getting into the car, into, if you have a car that you drive every day, you get into your car and you close the door. And usually the next thing you do is you put on your seatbelt. So you close the door. But after you close the door, before you put on the seatbelt, give it a space of whatever. Don't count it, but I'm just saying like 30 seconds. You may be aware of your breathing while you sit there. Now, if it's an emergency, if you're so late or you need to so urgently get somewhere, then you can't even spare 30 seconds. That's true. But in most cases, 30 seconds won't make much difference to, to wherever you have to get to. So don't let your mind tell you, I, no, I don't have time now. Everybody has time for 30 seconds of presence, unless somebody has been injured and you need to get them to the hospital or whatever. But otherwise, everybody has time for 30 seconds of presence. I remember many, many years ago I lived, when I lived in England, they were just introducing the habit of putting on seat belts. It was a long time ago. See, see how old I am. At that time, people were not always putting on seat belts, and then they began to make it compulsory. They had an advertising campaign. 
associated with some visuals, but the words that went with it were clunk, click, every trip. Clunk is the door closing, click is the seatbelt going in, clunk, click, every trip. So they wanted people to absorb that so that as they associate the closing of the door, the next thing is click every trip. <laughs> and uh, you see how effective it is. I still remember it, and it was decades ago. <laughs> and here you can say clunk, stillness, and then click every trip. <laughs> and don't believe your mind when it says, I don't have time now to have your day interspersed with, with moments of awareness or presence is very, very effective. It is more effective than to have just one meditation period, all the meditation is helpful, to have just one meditation period, like half an hour every day, whatever, or even two meditation periods, and the rest of the day, you're completely drawn into whatever arises, you're completely drawn in. If you can have both, that's even better. If you can have a morning meditation and an evening meditation, it's not enough, however. And if you had to choose between a meditation period and have your day interspersed with moments of presence, the, that would be more effective. If you had to choose, I would recommend that rather than the meditation period. And that would just many periods of presence, little throughout the day. So you have to make a list of activities, not too many, just a few that you do repeatedly every day and be present either while you're doing them or just before you take that action. So you can present either while you're making a cup of tea or just before you make a cup of tea or just before you drink the cup of tea. Uh, that's another one, before eating, before eating something, be present. They had that in, um, some people still do it, but not that many people to say grace, to say a few things of thankful, being thankful for the food, etc. was a habit for many people, not that many people do it anymore. But if you can do, do, do the silent grace, before a meal, that was even more powerful than you're just silent, just silently present before you eat any, any meal. People don't even have to notice it. Let's say you're sitting around a table with other people. You don't have to tell them, okay, just be quiet now. I have to be silently present before my meal. You don't have to do that. You just do it for yourself. Probably people will hardly notice it, or maybe they will, and then you can tell them. Just 20 seconds, 30 seconds, no more. Just there's, there's the food, and you're looking at the food, and you're present. You're not waiting for this short period to come to an end. That's important. <laughs> So there's not an inner attitude, okay, just have to be present before I eat. Uh, I have to hold back, it's not, you have to be more present than that. <laughs> now another way, I can countless things. Another practice, of course, present while you eat, to eat consciously. 
And again, don't do it with a whole meal, that's too long. Maybe it's half your, half your starter, if you have a salad or something as a starter, <laughs> just for the first half of the salad, maybe you can eat it consciously, which means you pick it up with a fork consciously and chew consciously. You don't have to s slow down that much. It, it might happen naturally that you slow down a bit, but you don't have to change it in any way, just be present as the witness, and then you chew. This is quite important because eating is one of the things that tend to make people quite unconscious. It's an activity that kind of brings you back to your animal ancestors. <laughs> I've often observed people, when they eat, they go completely unconscious. And then when they finish eating, they kind of wake up again. So many things, you can be creative, find things you know, for yourself and vary them, change them every, every week or every two weeks. So you have different things. So that's that. One more thing, uh, you can have just little, uh, little reminders in various places at home or at a place of work that is a reminder of presence. And every time you look at it, you take two or three conscious breaths. And you may have to vary them from time to time because after a while you get used to them and then they don't work anymore. Reminder can be a little sticker, whatever it may be. So instead of, some people of course use little affirmations, but this is going beyond that. There's nothing wrong with affirmations. Some people put little stickers on their bathroom mirror and said, I love myself. That's fine, but it's better than hating yourself. So that's a good step. But this, this sticker actually doesn't say anything, or it might just say presence. And what does that mean? It means uh, I am myself. <laughs> when you become aware of being, then you are yourself. Then you don't need to love yourself anymore. Because if you are yourself, there's only one of you left. But if you're still loving yourself, there's two of you. There's I and myself. <laughs> Of course, it's better to love yourself than to hate yourself. It's an intermediate, for many people, it's an intermediate step from being very negative, changing to positive. And then the next step is you no longer have a relationship with yourself. You are yourself. <laughs> that is to be rooted in being. And that's a liberation from the self. And again, so you can have little reminders to be present and uh, associate that with two or three conscious breaths throughout the day. Very powerful. And then it presence, let's uh, put it like that. Presence power grows in you more as you engage in this practice. Presence power grows. It seems insignificant at first, these little periods, but there's, there is a cumulative effect so that is my recommendation. Please try it out. I believe you find it beneficial. And uh, does it make sense what I said? Yes, it does, definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Akar. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Eckhart Tolle, Essential Teachings, the podcast. You can follow these essential teachings on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, go to Spotify and follow this podcast. 
Join us next week for more enlightened teachings from Eckhart Tolle. Thank you for listening. Have you ever wondered what the stars have to say about your favorite artists and writers? Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa, where I, your host and astrologer, Issa Nakazawa, read and interpret astrological birth charts of luminaries like W. Kamau Bell, Gia Tolentino, and so many more. You'll discover how astrology can unlock fascinating insights about these stars. And who knows, maybe you'll learn a little bit more about yourself. Listen to Stars and Stars with Issa wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.